So if I was starting today as a new solo, I would do entrepreneurial aspect. Change the way they're practicing. Leader, analyze. said they've done it earlier. help young lawyers. Starting a small firm. What it means to be fulfilled. Make it easy to work with your clients. New approach, new tools, new mindset, new solo. And it's making that leap, making that leap, making that leap, making that What is the shape of your law firm? Have you ever thought about that? Well, today we're going to talk about a potential shape, and that's a triangle. Welcome to another episode of New Solo. My guest today is Christopher Anderson. Christopher Anderson and I also go way back, as I do with um, many of my guests. Christopher is a brilliant law practice management consultant, and he is also a host of The Unbillable Hour, which is another podcast on the Legal Talk Network that I hope if you have not found you take a few minutes to do a search for and subscribe because the information he offers is going to be very valuable and helpful to listeners of New Solo. Don't leave New Solo for the end no, of no. the hour. <laughs> no. But consider it a, an additional resource for you. Hi, Christopher. Hi. So glad. Uh, it's, it's so glad. Yeah. Let's <laughs> just stumble over myself. I am so glad to be here. And yeah, no, the, you know, the, it comes from from two very different perspectives. In the unbillable hour, we talk with very specific industry leaders and, and thought leaders in in different space. But uh, it'd be complimentary for sure. Never leave uh, this Never show leave for the unbillable hour. <laughs> it's the equivalent of the firm in a podcast. You can get there here, you but you cannot leave. So, uh, Christopher, tell us a little bit about your background. You have been in the business for a very long time. You're very well known, sought after as a speaker and as a uh, consultant and everything else. So tell everybody who might not know about you a little bit about your background. Yeah, well, so I come at this all from a very different perspective in that um, I was a technology geek first and then a lawyer. And then during the time that I was an attorney, um, I started and crashed several businesses and then had a couple successes. I've worked for LexisNexis. Um, and so like everything that I come to law with is very heavily infused with real business thinking. Um, and, uh, you know, all the way up to agile and scrum agile methodology and bringing that all to the practice of law. So, you know, I've bounced back and forth um, between the business world and the legal world enough that um, I've, I think I've found a really great nexus between them um, that I bring to my clients, that I bring to my own firms that I also run and grow. Um, because if I, if I can't eat my own dog food, um, then I can't prove to <laughs> others that it works and it works. So yeah, that, that's my background. I've been doing this for what, 30, 30-ish years and, and just constantly trying to learn new aspects of business, yeah. new aspects of law, and then push them together. That's wonderful. Part of what you do, which sounds like it is a no-fee opportunity to get to interact with you, is called the Community Roundtable. Should we talk about that real quick now? And we can oh, remind people how to get, get to the roundtable later? Yeah. I mean, I'm always thrilled to talk about that. That's, that's exactly right. It's completely free. Um, it's just sort of one way to give, you know, to give back. The Unbillable Hour is a, is a interview show um, where we talk about interesting things, each one t- usually touching on one of the three points of the triangle that we're going to talk about in a little mm-hmm. bit. So I just wanted, I would get emails and a lot of questions from listeners. And what I found was I was answering them, but I was getting the same questions over and over. And so I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have a way to both answer people's questions 
and share that. And so we, we invented the community table where every third Thursday at three Eastern time, it's an open mic. And basically people come and ask questions and I answer them. And sometimes I bring a guest and sometimes I don't, but we answer the questions in a way that I think is helpful to them, helpful to all the other audience members that come. And then we broadcast it um, as well. So people can listen uh, on the on the legal talk network. That's awesome. And it sounds like because it's the third Thursday of every month, there's probably one coming up at any time it, that you happen to listen to this podcast because it's- Yeah, moving. exactly. Okay. Yeah. Third third Thursday at three uh, on the Legal Talk Network. And uh, uh, all the information can be found at the unbillable hour on the Legal Talk Network. Perfect. So one of the principles or concepts that you have built is this idea of a triangle-shaped law firm. And the three sides of the triangle that you like to talk about, which is very convenient for a show that has three segments. So we're going to start with (laughs) this segment and the first side, but the three sides are acquiring new clients, producing the results that you promised, and achieving the business of professional results for the owners. So tell us about the triangle, maybe how it came about. And I believe it's a fractional triangle, which you're going to have to tell the dumb people in the room what that even is. Then that's pretty much always me. <laughs> Not at all. It's a fractal, actually. Fractal, fractal. triangle. If you, Yeah, if you've ever seen those beautiful drawings where the shapes just repeat themselves and repeat themselves and repeat themselves, like computers can draw these things. Those are fractals. You know, in, in fractals are everywhere in nature. You know, leaves have fractals. Mm-hmm. Your blood vessels, a tree, right? The branches all branch to smaller branches and all branch to smaller branches. But the the symmetry stays the same. You, the same shapes keep repeating. Well, it's the same thing in a law firm. So yeah, it's a fractal triangle. The the three main apices, the three, you know, the angles of the triangle are indeed acquiring new clients. Got to do that. Right. Yes. And then you've got to the second one is producing the results or producing the work that you promised the clients that they paid you money for. And then the third one is measuring the impact on your own life, on your employees' lives, and on your clients, just making sure that you're delivering, uh, measuring the, the results to make sure that you're delivering to all three of your stakeholders that which you promised. And notice there's three stakeholders. And so when we measure, we can, you know, that's the fractal, right? We have to talk about each one of those three. Each time you go down a layer, there's another three for each point. Sure. And that's, that's why it's fractal. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I think for listeners of New Solo, which I often say they're not necessarily new, a lot of my listeners have been practicing for a very long time. They just find the information practical and useful. But one question I constantly get, whether it's in my consulting practice or working with the bar associations that I work with and interacting with their members or through New Solo, comes down to acquiring new clients, whether you're a brand new attorney or an experienced attorney. So let's break it into maybe two or three parts. So what suggestions do you give to new attorneys who are literally just starting out and they decide to go out on their own or they had to go out on their own? The question I always get is, where are my clients going to come from? What's your answer yeah. typically? Yeah. And I think it would, something that's really important to understand about that is that the answer to that question will evolve. And depending yeah. on your practice area, it's going to start in one place and it's going to evolve to another place. And if you do it well, you never give up what you started with, mm. but you layer you layer on what it evolves to. So what am, what am I talking about with that? So for instance, I'll give you an example. When I first started my first law firm, the legal community can be very generous. So when Indeed. I first started my first law firm, for the first three, four, five, six months, I got a lot of referrals. And in fact, I got a referral from the grandson of a uh, former president um, who sent me a, like a 
$20,000 case. This is in um, 2004. So, you know, it was, uh, you know, 20, it was, it was good money. Um, it, it, Still it, good uh, money. Yeah. And, and then, but other lawyers also sent me cases, you know, that dried up after a while, but you know, everybody was just really generous helping me get a good start. Then, you know, when you're still getting started, the most important thing to be thinking about is some sort of paid marketing because you don't have a reputation. You don't have a referral network. You don't have um, a whole lot of people uh, that know you, like you, and trust you. So you've got to get out there in the world. And there's, there's, there, and by paid, I mean either something like, you know, pay per click, paid search, search engine marketing, or paid in shoe leather, paid in time, <laughs> but where you're getting in front of people and telling your story in a way that makes some of them want to engage. The most important thing to know is that when you're doing this, that you have to give, 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 give. Like you want to be out there, to, you know, if you're doing family law, if you're doing estate planning, um, you want to be talking to people free about aspects of what you do for folks, answering their questions, getting, you know, getting written material out there into the world so that people can get to know you. If you can do some paid search, that's also good. But you know, it's all about telling a story and making sure, and I think this is the key to growing this fast, is in everything you do, give value, right? You have to provide value during every conversation, during every interaction, because that's what people would cause people to take that next step. And so that's, that's, I think, how you get started. And then when I said, said it evolved, well, over time, you do get known and you do get liked and you do get uh, trusted. And so then you can start to leverage those relationships that you build over time, whether they be opposing counsel, co-counsel, just other lawyers in the community, whether they be your former clients mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and others who can start to refer you business, lawyers who don't do what you do. And they can start to refer you business and your business will then start to grow with the referrals, never stopping the paid portion where you pay for it with shoe leather or money or something else to um, generate that new business. You're doing both. But of course, it's gasoline on fire when you're doing that. And then, of course, you, there's also SEO and there's lots of other ways you can do it. But it's all layering on top and everyone accentuates the, the return on the one beneath it. And that's really important to keep them all there. If you take out the bottom, if you take out the foundation, you lose a lot of the power that the other stuff has. Enter the fractal triangle. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. I learned quick. And, uh, and you know, to, to, to talk about the fractal, you know, so we're talking about acquisition, you know, the, the acquisition triangle, the three triangles underneath acquisition are marketing, you know, letting the market know one way or another that you're out there and that you provide the services that they that the potential consumers want, whether they be businesses or people. Sales, the actual ability to then, when people are interested, to convert them from interested to making a decision to work with you or not. Um, I, my sales team is always built with the understanding that I value and reward a no equally with a yes. Mm. Um, it's it's leaving clients or prospective clients in the land of maybe that is is, is against the rules. Um, mm. And then and then of course the third part is referrals. And that's, you know, those are golden because that's a way to grow a business and really get a big return on your investment of marketing because those those referrals cost a lot less to get. And so you you really get to leverage your your marketing dollar. My um, dig deeper meter just hit a high point. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit more about what you mean when you say yes, no, but never a maybe positioning. Yeah. 
So that's so key. And this is like, this is the key. And I believe, I, I personally believe that the owner of a law firm can never leave sales and can never leave marketing. Like that, if you're the owner, um, particularly if you're a sole owner, those are your jobs forever. Now, does and, that mean that you- And I don't mean to interrupt you. I mean, I do, yeah. obviously, but I just <laughs> wanted to catch you at this critical moment to remind lawyers that you actually own a law firm. How often yeah. do we ever hear a lawyer say, when someone says, what do you do? They say, I own a law firm. They don't. They say, I'm a lawyer, because you often forget that you are actually the owner of a business, whether it be small, medium, large, whether you have partners or not. So I just, if you, when you're done, after I uninterrupted you, can sort of speak to that, just remind everyone that taking those business sides of running your law practice is just is so critical. And um, this is important to remind everyone. Please, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. And it's funny. I don't think people forget. I think, I think there's still an ethos that we don't talk about ourselves as business owners. It's okay, not, yeah. it's not, um, it's not copacetic. It's, you know, it's just, it's, you know, we're professionals and, uh, the business is sort of, yes, we have to do the business stuff. And that's, it is the wrong way to think about it. I am damn proud of the businesses that I own. Um, and I'm proud of the people that we help with our law firms. But, you know, we can't help them if they don't know about us. Sure. And I don't want to know them to know about us through anybody's voice but myself and my partner. And, the, you know, because we have a mission and we have a message. And there's certain kind of clients we want and there's certain kinds of clients we don't want. And unless it's our voice, and I don't mean our voice like me in front of the television or me on the radio, I, but I mean my voice in the copy, my voice um, that my team learns, right? Um, but if I go away then that learning will dissipate. So I think I think it's really important. And as the market changes, it's important to move with it. So yeah, the, the owner stays involved. And so so in that I train the team, right? So the the thing that I train the team is our number one metric is the biggest reward one of my sales team can get is if we get a five-star review or the equivalent of a five-star review from somebody who decides not to work with us. Mm. Um, because that sets for me the gold standard of how we treat our prospective clients. If we treat our prospective clients as potential, because that's a referral, right? I don't care if they're actually not sending someone to your door. A five-star Google review is a referral. People look at those things. Good point. And yep. yeah, and if I can generate ambassadors from people who don't who decide not to do business with us, that means that our process has value and that in coming to their no, we have clarified something for them because that at the end of the day is what sales is. Sales is clarifying whether or not you want to work with my business, not convincing. Sales has nothing to do with convincing. Nobody on my team tries to convince anybody of anything. They clarify what their needs are, they clarify their urgency, and they clarify their decision, whether it's to do it themselves, do nothing, work with someone else, or work with us. And when you say my team, again, my dig deeper meter just went off again for yeah. our listeners who don't know you that well or aren't familiar with your business. Are you talking about a law practice or your consulting practice? And does it even matter? And who is your team? It, yeah, the, the beautiful thing is it doesn't matter at all. Um, it's the same thing. And so my team, uh, you know, I have, uh, I have about seven people right now who do some aspect of sales, which is different for me than intake. So we've got another a separate intake team, and then we have the sales team. Uh -huh. And whether it be the law firms or the, the consulting work, this team is just knows our client base, knows our business, knows our message, and is able to convey it and ask the right questions and guide the prospective client through their journey of deciding whether or not they want to work with us. Some of my people are attorneys, some of them aren't, 
And it doesn't matter. It just really doesn't matter. Um, I always give all of the attorneys in the firms the opportunity to do sales if they want to. Um, to talk, or what we call talking to prospective clients or new client specialists. Some do, some don't, and that's okay. Uh, because if you don't want to do it, the last thing I want to do is force you. Um, and some of my team uh, who do it full-time are not lawyers at all, and they do a great job. Sometimes it's those of us that are not lawyers that do a great job for the yeah. lawyers, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. <laughs> Awesome. And I think that's an important thing just to remind everyone to do is every touch point that a client potential or existing has with your firm, whether it's the receptionist that you employ fully or you outsource or the paralegal or the intake person should be properly trained. And I know that a lot of times in law firms, we don't like to think about the word sales as that is what you are doing, but that is essentially what you're doing. And I think reminding them to go at it from that business mind, as opposed to the lawyer mind is just really important. So yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, let's take a quick break. Listen to some messages from some sponsors. We're going to come back. We're going to attack another side of the triangle, and that's going to be producing the results that you promised. Here's a fact about billing that I bet you didn't know. The average collection rate for law firms in 2020 was only 89%. I'm Joshua Lennon, lawyer in residence at Clio, and this is just one finding from our recent Legal Trends report. Now, you might be wondering, why should I be concerned about this number? Because it means, on average, 11% of billable work goes uncollected, a symptom of having an outdated billing and payment process. Using technology like online payments makes it convenient for clients to pay you faster. Studies show 57% of bills paid online are paid within a day of the bill being issued, and 85% are paid within one week. And why not? You did the work. Go get paid. To learn more about how technology helps law firms improve their financial performance, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O dot com forward slash trends. Okay, we're back with Christopher Anderson, a consultant, very smart business person and an attorney who helps lawyers run their businesses better. We're discussing the three sides of the triangle that he likes to talk about and sort of put into perspective when it comes to running your business better. And we just finished talking about acquiring clients. The next side of the triangle is producing the results that you promised. And uh, that's a really interesting idea, you know, like, duh, don't you want to produce the results that you promised? But Christopher, when it comes to that, what are the right and wrong sides of setting client expectations? How do you maximize productivity and production so that you're meeting those expectations? Give us a little bit of your of your pitch on that. And I don't mean to use the word pitch in a salesy way, but your pitch in talking lawyers into believing that this is an incredibly important part of a successful law firm. Yeah. And it is, right? Because I think a lot yeah. of, you know, it, it's kind of funny. You've been to trade shows, you've done legal tech, you've done ABA tech show, you've done the state bar events. I have. Yep. And man, if you run, if you if you give a talk on marketing, or even if you give a talk on sales, you will fill the room every time. People want to hear about that. They want to acquire new clients, they want to acquire new clients, they want to acquire new clients. Um, and they just sort of take the production part for granted. And that can lead to a lot of problems because if you don't match your production to your marketing or your marketing to your production, then you can, A, you could have a lot of lawyers sitting around doing nothing or mm -hmm. worse, quite honestly, 
worse is you can sell a lot of clients and not have the team to produce the work. And that results in in people working ridiculous hours and a lot of stress. You as a lawyer often pitch in and do you know way too much so that you're not delivering your best self to your clients. So to me, it all starts in the marketing and it starts in the sales. The expectations get set very, very early on. In all of my businesses, for instance, one of the things that we do, and again, consulting law doesn't matter, is we have what we call the Polaris process. Mm-hmm. And so in, in all of our uh, businesses, the first thing that happens in any engagement is that we make sure that the client is clear on her goals. Once the client is clear, then we make sure we're clear and we document it. And so that by the end of the engagement, we can point to this and go like, hey, you know, I think we've achieved this. Do you agree? Or even more importantly, during an engagement, when a client asks you to go do something that it was not part of their goals, you know, and the easiest one to talk about is family law. I was just thinking that how many times people come to a family law lawyer and they don't even know what they want. So your right. advice of helping them figure out what they want and then making sure that's what they want and then setting that expectation is really important. I wonder how many lawyers really, I think you'd have to be a really experienced family law lawyer to have gotten to that point where you're like, wait, you don't even know what you want. Why are you here? Let's figure it yeah. out. That seems so reasonable. Yeah. yeah. Or worked for me because you know, even from law clerks or and I'm paralegal, so everybody's trained in this, like Polaris, mm. Polaris, Polaris. Why is it called Polaris. It's because once we get that document, that becomes our North Star. And mm. <laughs> we, we, we set a very strict rule, which is no matter what we're about to do, whether the client asked us to do or is our idea, we ask the question, does this get the client closer to her goal? If the answer is no, we just don't do it. And um, if the client's insisting, then we remind the client of her goals. And we do, we allow the client's allowed to change her goals. That's sure. fine. But we, we want to do that like deliberately. We say, listen, you know, this does not get you towards your goal. Like you never said, oh, I want him to suffer. That was not one of the goals. But, you know, now, now that's become a goal. <laughs> Isn't that implied? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. And usually they'll back, they'll back off and go like, yeah, you're right. You know, that was just, that was just kind of petty. Um, yeah. But, you know, and if it becomes a goal, then we might also have to have a conversation about that's not what we do. Right. So that let me get you a recommendation for lawyer, a scorched earth guy, because that's not what we do. And it, it's, it's so Going through that Polaris process is very important for aligning client expectations. But we really started all the way back at intake, really all the way back in our marketing. Our marketing talks about it. Our intake people talk about it. Our sales team talks about it. Then the first the first time the client meets their legal team, they can't do anything until they do their Polaris, you know, unless there's an emergency. But, like, you know, almost all the time it has to have that process. And so it's it's again, iterative throughout the whole process so that once we're doing the work, we are delivering on what was promised. And everybody knows what was promised because it's documented along the way. I am sure that breaking promises is not part of producing the results that you promised, but sometimes it doesn't work out even with the best of intentions, the best of client expectations set and the North star shining as brightly as possible. So what advice do you have for attorneys when it comes to having to deliver bad news? Like it didn't work out or we didn't get quite what we wanted, but Hey, we got this. Um, what advice can you give us about that? I'm sure this happens every day, right? We don't always win in a legal dispute. 
one lawyer is going to win and the other lawyer might not get the win that the client expected. So help us feel better about that. Yeah. Well, so, so the, once you have a client on board, and this is something like opposing counsel, like a lot of lawyers don't get this and it's a shame because it leads to increased conflict and increased drama and really both Mm. clients, not both parties often not getting what they wanted. And that is that the lawyer takes off on their own goals and the lawyer is seeking a resolution or a result that that makes the lawyer happy. Mm. To me, once the client's on board and you're you you go down the word you go down the road of litigation, because really all of law, and I'm gonna steal this from from another lawyer that I that I know that, that likes to say this, but it's really true. All of law is negotiation. And litigation is just one tool in our toolbox for negotiating things. And when we lose sight of that and then the litigation becomes an end unto itself, that's where these bad results can happen. I say all this just because to answer your question, if you approach it as a negotiation all along, the Mm -hmm. lawyer's job during the negotiation is risk management, constantly Mm -hmm. advising your client of the pros and cons of the opportunities and the risks of the action you're taking so that when the risk shows up and when the negative result shows up, it is something you've already talked about. Like it is so much easier to have that conversation when you've talked about it before. Hey, you know, we were going to have this hearing and you want me to put up this evidence and here's this other evidence that I think we'll bring in. And if we go this route, here is the best day, here is the worst day, and here are some of the things that could happen in between. And here's how we can change these risks by not engaging in this, by maybe asking, going for another mediation, by having another negotiation, by doing something else to improve our odds. But if we want to go forward today, these these are the th- or, you know next week or in a month. Hopefully, you're having this conversation well ahead of time. Here are the things that are going that are possible. That to me is the key to having the difficult conversation is already having it before it happens. Mm. And that way you could say, you know, we, and of course they'll say, why did this happen? You're like, and you have to remind, like, yeah, we talked about this. Um, and, you know, you'll remember we, we talked about this. You know what? We talked about this on Thursday, November 14th. You remember that? We talked about it then. And, I, you know, this is one of the possibilities. Does that make them happier? No, not in the moment. But it reminds them that this was always a process and that you have heard them. And that the course of action on which you've decided was one that you came to jointly. Usually in the long run, that helps, even if they're not, you're not going to make them happy in the moment. You know, that makes me think of an important, well, it always comes down to ethics when I say failure to communicate, but, you know, an important point to make. And that is in the beginning of the segment, you said it's important to set the expectations and write them down, you know, in one way or another, so that we always have something to point back to. So, I know a lot of lawyers just don't do this because they don't find the time. So I'm going to ask you this question in order to encourage them. How important is it to document those milestones, those decisions, those conversations, and put them in a place where the client can always go back and see them? I'm thinking because I'm, a, uh, of course, a technology consultant and a portal pusher. For me, an obvious place for communications like that is a portal, but maybe you've got other ideas too. No, that's exactly where it goes, right awesome. in the portal. Um, you know, the client's documents, the Polaris, it has to be documented. And usually, like, I'm 
and you know, to all the lawyers out there who don't have the time or are not good at this, I suck at this. Um, and, um, you know, and, and before I taught this to my team, I did it myself. Right. But so because I know I suck at this, I just make sure there's someone else in the room to oh. whose job it is to record it, you know, like lo and behold, like there's other people in the world and you can have, you know, if you don't have a big team, you know, get a law student and get a, get, get, you know, you can have a pretty inexpensive person on your team be the scrivener, the person who just writes the stuff down because I've, my Polaris document is a form. It's, and it has segments. Where are you today? Where do you want to be? How do you want to get there? And you know, who, who's all the players and all that stuff. And, uh, and if we get this result, will that make you happy? And really we start the conversation with, you know, where do you want to be? We don't even talk about where you are today because it doesn't matter where you want to be is the most important thing. Then we talk about where you are so that we can then get a, a roadmap. But yeah, the form is easy for anybody to fill out. Hell, you know, if I was really pinched for work, I'd say, listen, I'm going to be talking and, and, and listening to you. So I want you, client, you write it down. Um, you know, whatever. It's just somebody's got to write it down. Because, the, yeah, to your point, that document is so important that the client yeah. can refer to it. And it is so, we put it on, on a very top level in the portal. So it's one of the f- f- easiest and first things they can find other than their bill. <laughs> ah, spoken like a true lawyer. Uh, I love that. I'm a huge portal pusher. Longtime listeners of this podcast, my clients know it. I think there's no better place to put those communications, those exchanges. Forget the emails, drop the text messaging, everybody. If you haven't turned on those portals, which all of you have, if you are using a modern case management system, strongly encourage you to really get on board. Make that your New Year's resolution. All new clients coming in the door. We put them on the portals. Well, that's great. Let's have a quick break. Listen to some messages from some sponsors. Remind everybody that they can get more great information and feedback and advice from you at the Community Roundtable. That's the third Thursday at three o'clock on every, every month. And we'll be right back. We're going to talk about achieving the business of professional results for the owners in our final segment of New Solo. Starting your solo practice is exciting, rewarding, and demanding. Alps Insurance understands the unique challenges of startup solo firms. 65% of Alps legal malpractice insurance policyholders are solos after all. That's why Alps created First Flight, a program supporting new solos by providing affordable premium pricing for the first three years of practice. Visit alpsinsurance.com forward slash insurance forward slash first flight to learn more. Or just Google Alps First Flight. You'll find them. First flight program subject to eligibility requirements. Law Clerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with project-based and also ongoing work via subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile devices to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code NEWSOLO when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. Yes, yes, you have a website, but do you love it? Does it grow your practice? It should look good, it should work for you, and it should be built by people who care. Practice Made Perfect loves making websites for solos, just starting out or market leaders, and their clients love their websites. PMP's average client has been with them for over six years. PMP is perfect for your website. Practice made perfect. Visit pmpmg.com forward slash solo. 
I'm back with Christopher Anderson. We're talking about setting client expectations, acquiring clients, really this triangle concept that Christopher has of running your law firm. The third side of that triangle, which is fractal, it just keeps building and bubbling on itself, getting bigger, deeper, stronger, is achieving the business of professional results for the owners. So Christopher, when we say that, and that sounds obvious, right? We want to achieve results for not the clients, which we talked about in the previous section, but now also for the business owners and everyone who probably has a stake in your law firm, I'm going to guess this would apply to. So where do you even start talking about it? Oh, it's easy. There's Great. The, it's, it's the same place we start with our clients. Where do you want to be? Bingo. It's exactly <laughs> it. Fast um, learner. If you own a business, if you own a law firm and you have not defined what it's supposed to do for you, then that's exactly the results you're going to get is, I don't know. And, <laughs> and so you've got to start with that. that the Polaris of your business is typically called a business plan, but it doesn't have to be. It's not you know this thing that you go to Business Plan Pro and buy from the store <laughs> and fill in the blanks and then Palo you have this Alto. business plan. Yeah, Palo from Palo Alto, Alto, Alto Software. software. Yeah. Thank you. And <laughs> oh you know my what? God, I've, we're so old. <laughs> <laughs> but I've done those things, and you know what? The SBA wants them, and lenders want them, and that is something. But really, what we're talking about here is, what do you want this to do for your stakeholders in the business? And that is, you know, the, the, your stakeholders are the people who have a right to the things that you're giving the business, right? So, you know, every lawyer who's on here who owns their own law firm knows that they sacrifice, knows that they give the business. And they give of your time, you give of your money, because none of this marketing, none of the none of the people that work for you, none of your office space, none of this software with the with the pretty portals, none of it's free. So you, you're putting in your money, you're putting in your time, and quite honestly, you're putting in, I guess the best word for it is your soul, right? Yeah. Just a, li a little bit of, you know, you're, you, you're giving that, you know, whatever you want to call it, patience and understanding and presence. You're giving that to other people instead of some other people who have a claim on it, like your spouse, your kids, your yeah. parents, your aunts, your uncles, your friends, everybody, right? So these are all stakeholders that you're making a commitment to. Um, and of course, yourself, you're doing all these things and putting this in for yourself, you should be doing it with an expectation that if I do this stuff, I will get three things. Um, and you know, see three, we're, we're there, there here we go. Um, it's a, we're what? fractaling I'll, away. Yeah, I'll get some financial reward. <laughs> mm -hmm. Got to pay my own bills, I right? Got to yep. pay the mortgage, want to take people on vacation, want to put the kids in through college, want to have something to retire on, want to have something to give from, you know, uh, philanthropically and want to have something to leave behind for my kids and, and, and heirs and the philanthropies, et cetera. So some sort of financial reward, but that's not enough. That will only take you really not very far at all because we can meet our financial needs pretty easily. What really takes, what differentiates good law firms from great law firms is the other two. Hmm. The next one is professional pride. Which is for me, you know, my I built a family law firm with the goal of changing the way that people divorce. Mm. And we changed it from the ground up. There's nothing traditional about the way we built the business because my professional pride is bringing family law to the market and to the people that think that it's not for them, that, they, that they've been locked out, they've been priced out, um, and it, it doesn't work for them. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and so 
seeing that succeed gives me a lot of professional pride. Um, you know, we have a wage and hour business. And, you know, for that, we're, we have a goal of ensuring that people get paid the wages they should have been paid in the first place. That gives, you know, when we're successful in that, that gives me a lot of professional pride. And then the third thing is personal joy. Oh, so important. We often forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I became a lawyer. I'm not a dentist. Um, I'm not an astrophysicist, though I was. Uh, you know, I, I I decided to become a lawyer. And so my professional pride comes from there. But that's not where my personal joy comes from. I get professional satisfaction. But, you know, my personal joy is I got to spend um, a week uh, over Thanksgiving uh, with my wife in the south of France. Oh. And I'm going to go skiing in February with my kids. And I get I have the time and energy and resources to make sure my mom in in you know in her retirement is taken mm. care of. Sure. And and all these, you know, these are my personal ones, but there's lots of them around. Like these things, these the things that life is really all about. And if you don't include that in the reasons that the law firm is supposed to give back to you, then it won't give them to you. Because it, it, it's, it's a fickle, fickle thing. And if you aren't clear about what you want, then that's exactly what you'll get. So this third triangle really is about measuring the results to be sure you're getting what you want. But it starts with defining them. If you don't define the results, you know, the results aren't something like, I hate the term bottom line. Because you know, when you say, oh, yeah, so at the end of the year, I talked to my accountant and the bottom line was X. Yeah, well, screw you, business. Yeah. Not not screw you, lawyer. Screw you, business, <laughs> for giving me the bottom for the thing that that dropped out the bottom after everything was said and done. No, what I want is that the top, and then we measure to see how close I came to getting it. But unless I defined it in the first place, nobody knows what to work towards, including me. And then you get the muddy results that you want. So you you build that and you build a plan. Then you measure against the plan, and then you so that's the second like uh, angle of the triangle. And the third angle is then you adjust. If you're off plan, sometimes you're running too hot. I had that uh, this year. In the beginning of the year, we were running so hot that I couldn't. I, I, I outpaced my team, mm. and and so we had to adjust to slow things down a little bit, but also pour gasoline on the recruiting fire. And you know then. You, you you build so you say okay so the plans change we're going to put more money into recruiting a little bit less money into marketing then you measure how's that working oh shoot now we've got too many team all right adjust now we're going to put more money back into marketing now so well, that's a new plan now we'll measure against a plan how are we do it it's never right you're always overshooting undershooting it's okay because you're constantly running through these three legs of planning measuring adjusting um in the lean agile world it's called build measure learn but it's uh it's it's that cycle of constantly learning from your business what it needs in order to deliver the results that you've defined for it so two things float around after listening to you and they are astrophysicist what i'll come back <laughs> to that but the other one is i like the way you said it's never right and I think it's important to remind people it's never right, but it's also probably never wrong. Many attorneys, many humans were just such perfectionists. And I do not put myself in that category. I am one of those people that eh, is okay. I don't like to stress myself out. So, but I think it's important to remember that it's never right, but you are always adjusting for the ups and downs. Now you have spoken a lot about 
finding that joy and, and figuring out what your law firm is going to give back to you. But there's no way you can do that without running a good business, which requires business management skills. And every lawyer is going to say, we didn't learn business management skills in law school. So great. You can define what you want out of your law firm. You can define what you want to be able to do to continue having a joyful practice and doing something that you love. But where do we get and learn these business management skills, especially for some of my listeners, which might be big law refugees who have been practicing for a long time, but now they've decided to go out on their own. They didn't need business management skills for 20 years because they worked at a big law firm or back to younger lawyers who just didn't get those skills. What is the school of hard knocks suggestions that you have for really honing those business management skills to be able to achieve those goals uh, sooner, faster than slower later? Yeah, uh, it's a great question because yeah, the law school teaches nothing about this. <laughs> and um, technology. And, and because, and again, it goes back to that conversation where we don't want to admit that we're business owners. Right. Um, and so it, it would be, in order to decide to learn, you have to admit, you know, there are business schools and there are people who learn this stuff. And to, to think that we're, the school of hard knocks is not the place to go because the, those hard knocks cause bruises and they slow you down. And the truth is that there's phases, right? So when you're just getting started, you don't need to be that good a business owner. Um, it's just you, maybe one other person, the money's coming in, the money's going out. You, you can be just good enough. And you know what? Get a bookkeeper, you know, get a decent bookkeeper. Oh, how many um, times do I say that listeners? Yeah. So to make sure that the, you know, everything's going in the right boxes. But then once very soon after you're just getting started, I think it's important to engage the services of somebody who can help you with that business owner mentality. So just someone, it doesn't, and I'm not talking about hiring a business manager. You know, when you've got just a couple hundred thousand dollars of revenue in your firm, you can't afford a whole full-time business manager in your firm. But you know what you can? You can afford someone who's going to take a couple few hours a month, take a look at what's going on, mm -hmm. steer you back in the right direction, call out risks as they see them, and, uh, and help to keep you on the right path. And there are plenty, you know, there are lots of organizations out there. I've worked with one in the past that, that provide that kind of coaching. There are others, um, you know, and I, I won't even name any, any names in, the, in this one, but you, you can, you can Google them or whatever. If you, you know, if anybody really wants me to make recommendations, they can contact me. They can um, go to the I, community round table. They can come to the community table. Absolutely. But, you know, early on in the, the process, I think it's important to engage someone like that. And then as you grow. As you grow, you know, I've just hired my second operations manager because what the business got too big for one. And so I've got like professional people wow. who went to business school, not law school, went to business school. Um, one of them has a CPA. One of them uh, is, is, comes more from project management world and, you know, who, who helped me because I can't keep it all straight. You know, I am good enough and smart enough to surround myself with people who are smarter and better than I am in specific areas of the business so that I can maintain an overall view of the business. So I've got a financial guy. I've got an operations guy. I've got a IT guy. That's a new new hire that we did this year. To great, great. We insourced IT. It, it constantly enables you to take a next step up when you've got, when you were able to let go of the things that you probably shouldn't have been doing in the first place, to be sure. quite honest. You know, I ran my own books at the first, at the very beginning. Well, that, that wasn't smart. Never um, is. And yeah, and somebody else can do a much better, quicker job and is not. And here's the key to that also, and to all these roles, is nobody will be as emotionally invested in the business 
which means they'll see the things and point mm. out the things that you will hide from. And that's why it's important to have them around. You know, that's in a good. bad month, do I want to look at my numbers? No, I do not want to look at my numbers. When, you know, when, when I know we didn't get uh, close as many deals as we planned to, do I want to look and see what, where that problem was, conversion rate? No, not really. I really want to just crawl under a rock, quite honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, that's why I have a team who's going to say, well, you know, you can crawl under your rock after we talk about how to fix this. And, uh, and we do. Well, here's what I have come away from this whole conversation thinking is, I want to be Christopher Anderson when I grow up and have all my <laughs> shit sure. together the way you do. No, it's, it's really well, great I, advice. Let me, let me address that though, because I think you said something earlier that's important. Like, yeah. Astrophysicist? You know no, 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 no. Just about, it's never right. No, you Well, you don't. said that to be honest. You know, what we're, we, what we're not talking about on the show is, is the nights I don't sleep. What we're not talking about on this show are the fights that I have with my partner. What Great we're not reminder. talking about on this show is all the shit that happens. You know, this is this is on 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 the internet, so we could say shit that happens that that create these learnings, right? These learnings don't all come from uh, they weren't handed down like on tablets from uh, <laughs> on, a bur- on a burning bush. This, these came honestly. And and the good the good news is that there's a lot of smart people out there who who you can consult with. There are a lot of smart people who've written books. Um, and you, I think you, you you know one of the things I do a lot during the community table, and quite honestly, also on the Unbillable Hour, is like I shoot books out there all the time. I'm like, awesome. well, you you should read this. You should read that because man, people have done this already and figured it out. And why not learn from their mistakes rather than your own? But you're still going to make some. And yeah, you know, you know, we, we could have a whole show. I'll just cry for you about all the, (laughs) all the things, all the nights I didn't sleep and all the, we need a bucket between us. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) so it's, it's part of it. It's part of it, but it's gotta be worth it. I love it. So I'm not letting you go without you telling me about this astrophysicist comment you made. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I went to school, um, I wanted to be, I wanted to be Carl Sagan. Um, and Carl Sagan was actually a professor at my university. He was taken. Um, um, and, uh, yeah, but, you know, I, I wanted to be an astrophysicist and I studied physics and I studied calculus and I studied, um, a long time towards that. And, uh, that, that really was a goal, uh, of mine. And, and, uh, fortunately I was offered the opportunity to enroll in a PhD program for that. Um, no kidding. Cool. And I just... I did my own little Polaris and just mm-hmm. really took a deep thought about like, what does this look like in 20 years and realized that's not what I really wanted. I just really liked Carl Sagan <laughs> 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 and, and, you know, and, and, and Star Trek and, uh, and I'm still, I'm still a total space geek. I, 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 I love, I love everything about, it. I love relativity. I love learning about string theory. Quantum I love physics. Quantum physics. Absolutely. But Gosh. I just, in my own Polaris, I, I, I had a huge pivot um, towards law and then business. But, uh, but I've always kept that tech and kept that science as part of the underpinnings of how I do things. That's wonderful. And I think all of us, and especially many dedicated lawyers who spend way too much time practicing law, um, needs a good hobby and you've got to be something separate and apart, but something maybe you can always sort of throw back into how you're running your business better or what type of business you are running. 
So Christopher, I want to thank you so much. I know how busy you are. I actually know how busy you are. So I really want to thank you for taking the time to come and talk to us, give us such great advice. Do you want to remind everyone where to find, friend, follow you, and tell us one more time about the podcast and the community table? And I'm going to show up one of these days. I forgot about it. I haven't been. I'd love to join. So um, I'll be there. You're welcome anytime. Absolutely. And we, we, we didn't even talk about me being a pilot. So we'll do that next what? time. Um, but uh, Damn it. the, uh, <laughs> you can, you can, the unbillable hour is a show that's every month on the legal talk network and on our homepage or on our show page of uh, the unbillable hour. And also on your show notes will be, is a yes. link to the community table, which again is the third Thursday at three of every single month. And so, you know, you can find us there. If people want to reach out to me directly, they're more than welcome to do so. Christopher at sunnysidelaw.com. Love that name. Yeah. And uh, we'll be glad to, you know, I'll be glad to respond. You know, if we want to chat for longer, also I'll tell you how we can do that. But uh, just reach out and, uh, and join us on the show. It's a really fun time to come to the community table. You don't have to raise your hand. I won't call on you. You can just lurk. Um, but the people who get the most value are raise their hands and ask their questions. That's great. Well, thank you so much. I absolutely appreciate you. And I appreciate all you listeners. This is the final episode of 2022. You might listen to it much later, but I want to wish everyone a wonderful holiday season, a prosperous new year. This is it, guys. It's the end of the year. I hope you have achieved that top line, not that bottom line. We'll see you next year. And remember, if you like what you have heard here on New Solo, share this podcast with your friends. Shoot me a note at New Solo at Legal Talk Network if you have any ideas for topics that you'd like to see in the new year. Thank you so much, everyone. I've been running from nine to five, been biting my tongue for all this time, won't let anyone cut me short. I was thinking this was the way to go, and you put up your puppet show. I say cheers to life. Just leave me alone, I'm running the show. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.